A blessed Holy Saturday to you this day. Um, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am Associate Pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. This is a recording for Holy Saturday. And today, the focus is going to be, as I, I said I was going to do on Thursday, um, we're going to talk about the Easter Vigil service. And we'll probably also talk a little bit about the uh, sunrise and the other two, East, the regular Easter services. So uh, we're going to start right away and go into the Easter Vigil. So last night was Good Friday. And so for Good Friday, the service ends tradition. And so again, I should note that when I talk about all of these practices, none of these are have-to practices. I'm just speaking to the ancient traditions. Um, some church, there's going to be variety at all different churches. Uh, nothing is going to be completely consistent. I'm just kind of laying out what could be there and where it originates uh, with the understanding that there is variations from church to church. So last night, traditionally speaking, um, Good Friday, and the last service for Good Friday is the Tenebrae. So at about eight seven, eight o'clock at night, the church has the Tenebrae service, with the and the church ends in darkness. Now this is one of those things. So this is one of these things that we kind of lose a little bit in um, in modern with modern innovation. And I say this is mainly modern electricity. It sounds like such a, it's such a wonderful thing that we have electricity. We have heating, we have air conditioning, things like that. It's wonderful that we have it. But an interesting thing was in the ancient, in the, in the early church, in the ancient church, when they would do the, the Good Friday service, they would slowly extinguish the candles like we do. But the difference is, is because they didn't have, you know, um, lights, electri electricity, the church would literally get dark. And what's more is the church would actually begin to become kind of cold because there's no light anywhere. And so and a lot of times that candlelight, the fires or whatever, that was what was keeping the church warm. Well, they put all of that out on Palm, I mean, on Good Friday, and the church feels cold. It's like the cold of death. Well, fast forward. So that so then so this is the Good Friday service is like right in the middle of the Holy Triduum. All right. So the Holy Triduum began with Monday Thursday, the Monday Thursday service, which did not end with the benediction. And the reason is, is because the Good Friday service is still part of it. Good Friday services begin right away with a collect. They don't begin with an opening hymn. It begins with a collect to let you know we are in the middle of the service. It doesn't end with a benediction, again, because the service still isn't done. So right now I'm recording this at 1230 on Holy Saturday. And... Um, we're really, this is a time of rest. This is the time where you're mentally preparing 
you're mentally still in the service. This is the reason why uh, many, as I've said before, many are in the middle of a fast right now. Um, they haven't eaten any food. Only thing they've done is maybe drink some water. Otherwise, they've ate no, eaten no food since the Monday Thursday service. And that's because we are still in the middle of the service. Some will take vows of silence. They won't talk to anybody. Um, they'll pretty much spend the time in prayer, reading scripture, reading devotional books, theology, whatever. They're finding ways to minimize their activity and to focus on it. Um, right now, actually, as I record this, uh, Lutheran Public Radio has provided an excellent resource for this purpose. Um, and that is you can listen to uh, Handel's uh, Messiah for the Passion and then I think you also could hear you could hear J.S. Bach's St. John's Passion uh, right after that. So you have um, a couple of ways that you are able to uh, focus in on the day. Or you could even go on to Issues Etc. Issues Etc. Um, issuesetc.org. They got a number of great podcasts for these few days. And so you could go listen to those to focus on your meditation. Well, today, uh, what is happening? So today, uh, Mon Good Friday, or Holy Thursday, I actually already, I watched The Passion of the Christ at the beginning of this morning, uh, mainly because I thought that would be a good way to keep myself mindful that on that first Holy Saturday, the, the if I were the... The disciples, the events of Good Friday would be just circling through my brain. And I would be constantly mindful of what had happened. And I think that would be the same for them. They would be emotionally, mentally, psychologically ex constantly thinking about what had happened. And so I, and the thing is, like I said, we're still in that process where we are still in their reflecting process of the crucifixion. Um, this is the time where we remember that Jesus was resting in the tomb. All right? So, the, so today, at Holy Saturday, is kind of... You have to, one of the things I have to make mention of is that the traditional church calendar goes from 6 o'clock to 6 o'clock. All right? So 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. And so instead of, you know, midnight to midnight, like our regular time does. And so really Holy Saturday began at 6 p.m. last night, technically. And, and so that is for that reason that um, churches are still, would still technically be colored, be it black at this point. Um, because we are still in the darkness of the death of Jesus. Well, and some will even do like maybe a matin service, some type of a morning prayer. Um, there are three set scripture lessons for Holy Saturday to reflect upon the fact that Jesus laid in the belly of the earth. Um, but the, the day ends, and this is where we're really going to focus is at the end of the day, at 6 o'clock, some point after 6 p.m., begins the Easter Vigil. Now, I'm going to actually go to, what I'm going to speak to is the more traditional, more ancient practice. 
We're going to be doing the Easter Vigil at 6 o'clock. The traditional time for the Easter Vigil was 11.30 at night. And so what would happen is the church would gather at 11.30. They'd gather around a fire. A fire made from the palm branches that were used for the previous Palm Sunday. And as the branches would burn, they would use those branches to light. They'd they'd have a new pastel candle. They'd have a brand new one. Now, this doesn't work if you're a church that has a um, an oil candle like what we have. But if many churches would use a wax pastel candle. And so they would get a new candle every Easter. Good Friday would be the last time you would use um the candle for 2000 and um so like this year 2018 so the last time you used the candle for 2017 would have been on good friday 2018 you prepare on easter vigil you prepare a new candle so you put in like you make the sign of the cross you you hit in the put in some wax nails and you carve out the key row with your fingers um, and the new candle is blessed, and it is lit from the fire of the palm branches. And then from that single Christ candle, um, the congregation each has their own ind- little individual candles. This is kind of similar uh, to what you get um, on, you know, with on the Christmas the Christmas Eve vigils. You have a candlelight service, right? So similar idea here. You light that candle up, that little candle, those candles. And actually, in Eastern Orthodox, they actually don't have little candles. They have big candles. Uh, they have candles that they are meant to last almost the entire night. And I'm going to get to that a little bit. Well, so, that's cert- so everybody gets their candle lit, and the congregation proceeds into the, into the sanctuary. The sanctuary is pitch black, all right? It's still dark from Good Friday. It's supposed to look exactly the way it did on Good Friday. The altar could either have black pyramids or it could be completely stripped bare. There could be nothing on it. And actually some will do that. For Good Friday, they wouldn't even have the black pyramids. They will have nothing out there. Everything is still stripped bare on Good Friday for some churches. And the reason they do this is to remind you that Jesus didn't put his clothes back on on the cross. He was still stripped. I mean, the reason he stripped the altar on Monday, Thursday, is to symbolize his stripping before he was crucified. And so to some degree, it makes sense that everything is complete, still completely stripped on um, Good Friday. You don't have to do that, but that's kind of the reason behind it. Um, And so when you get to the Easter Vigil, you come in with those candles, the sanctuary might still be stripped. Um, The pastor may be wearing black pyramids uh, or black vestments. Um, I actually make the practice. I usually, when I've done the Easter Vigil, I wear my um, black chasuble and to start the service so they get to the front of the very entryway into the sanctuary and the pastor will say will chant 
the light of Christ. The congregation responds, and this is best done a cappella. And I know this is kind of hard because they may not know the tune. But the congregation responds, thanks be to God. He moves in a little bit farther. He gets to the middle and he stops. And again, says, the light of Christ. Because it actually elevates. It goes up one note. The light of Christ. The congregation responds one octave higher. Thanks be to God. And again, he goes to the front of the church. He goes to the front. The light of Christ. Elevated one more time. And again, the congregation elevated again. Thanks be to God. And it's, you know, kind of this reminder that the... Um, that the um, light of Christ did not, is not extinguished. And so and then he goes into what is known as exaltate. And I'm going to read this. I'm not going to chant this at this moment. I'm not really good at I don't have to chant on this down very well. But here is the words of it. It says, Rejoice now all you heavenly choirs of angels. Rejoice now all creation." Sound forth trumpet of salvation and proclaim the triumph of our King. Rejoice to all the earth in the radiance of the light now poured upon you and made brilliant by the brightness of the everlasting King. Know that the ancient darkness has been forever banished. Rejoice, O Church of Christ, clothed in the brightness of this light. Let all this house of God ring out with rejoicing with the praises of all God's faithful people. Oh, such beautiful words. And it makes so much sense because everybody has candles. And so it talks about the, the church of Christ clothed in the brightness of this light. The light of Christ, which is symbolized in that Christ, the pastoral candle. You all received your own individual candles lit from it. And so you see the light of Christ. You are carrying it. I mean, symbolically, that symbolizes the light of Christ that you do bear as a baptized child of God. And so, you know, speaking to this rejoice. And I love it. It talks about the let us, let all this house of God ring out with rejoicing. And that's going to come back, all right? So, the congregation continues. They do the preface, which this is kind of weird. The preface and the proper preface are at the beginning of the service. Normally, this is all the way, you know, this is during the communion part of the liturgy. Well, for the Easter vigil, this happens pretty early on. And it's got its own proper preface that is unique to the day. Then you proceed with the readings. And there are several readings. There's the reading on the creation, the flood, the testing of Abraham, Israel's deliverance of, at the Red Sea, salvation offered freely to all. So this is the um, Isaiah chapter 55. You have Ezekiel chapter 36. Deuteronomy chapter 31, you have the Valley of Dry, dry Bones with Ezekiel 37. You have Job confessing the Redeemer in Job 19. 
You have Jonah preaching to Nineveh. You have um, reading from Zephaniah chapter 3. And then finally it ends with the fiery furnace. And so Daniel chapter 3. These are a lot. They're, in total, there could be as many as 12 scripture readings. And so it is most churches only, if they're going to do them, they only do four readings. I've one year done only Hebrews chapter 11. And, you know, that was kind of a way to do it. We're going to do it here. We're going to kind of use a video way of doing it. Um, I think there's I think there's something to be said to be doing all versions. Um, I mean, it, it's sad that we have... I mean, admittedly, we do have to think about this. We think about time. Uh, one of the things I will note, though, when it comes to service length, the Easter Vigil, our temptation as pastors is always to try to make a service short. And we want to keep it under an hour. But the thing is, with the Easter Vigil in particular... We should try to avoid not going under an hour. We should try to be over an hour. Because the word vigil suggests that this is something that's going to be lengthy. Um, if it's a short service, it's not really a vigil. And so it's supposed to be somewhat lengthy. Um, so you have these 12 readings, and all of them... Um, Many of them have allusions to baptism, to sacrifice. Actually, a lot of this has very, very much into baptism. Because, you know, creation, hovering over the waters, the flood, the testing of Abraham, um, the crossing of the Red Sea, um, the valley of dry bones, Jonah preaching to Nineveh, that kind of goes into confession and absolution. Uh, all of this kind of plays into the sacraments, which is very appropriate. And the reason is, is because in a little bit, you'll hear, you'll hear a hymn that's um, the song of the, um, of the fiery furnace. Of the, there's a traditional hymn. I don't usually sing this just because I don't know how to sing it. It's a, it's a really tough melody. Um, but all you works of God, bless the Lord. That ends up being that's the hymn at this point. Um, or. All you works of the Lord. There's two different versions uh, to the same same tune, the same hymn. Uh, then there's a baptismal address. And this is interesting. There is a service of baptism. Now, there's two ways this goes. Either you actually do baptisms. In the early church, there were only two days in the entire church year that you were able to do baptisms. And that was either on uh, Pentecost Eve... Or the Easter Vigil. Now, if there's like an emergency situation where somebody need to be baptized because they're on the verge of death, they would do that. Um, but normally, under normal circumstances, they would baptize people only on the Easter Vigil and um, on uh, on the Pentecost Eve. And so the Easter Vigil... We still have this. We have the service of baptism. If it, you have the situation that you don't have a baptism, you do a remembrance of your baptism. You do a baptismal remembrance service for everyone. And there is a practice that some will actually take water out of the baptismal font and they will sprinkle the members of the congregation in remembrance of their baptism. And so, and then 
You have a litany of the resurrection, which is, you know, a wonderful um, litany. Uh, then it's at that moment. And I'm kind of one that, I don't know, I kind of prefer that the gospel lesson goes a little bit earlier. But this is where they have, <clears throat> where I prefer to do this, is I prefer to put the, the Holy Gospel right here in the collect of the day. And there's a reason, and I'm going to get to that. So you read the, you pray the collect. The traditional way is reversed, but I'm going to give you the way I prefer. I prefer doing it that you have the collect of the day. So the pastor prays, O God, you made this most holy night to shine with the glory of the Lord's resurrection. Preserve in us the spirit of adoption which you have given so that made alive in body and soul we may serve you purely through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Then the pastor would proceed to read the gospel. And I prefer going with Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. And the reason is because it's the shortest of the resurrection accounts. Not because of time am I saying this. It's because if in our modern tradition we have Easter, we have sunrise services, and we have we have two East, often have two Easter services on Sunday morning. And in order to create a difference between the Easter vigil and those two services, I have we have the Easter joy by the end, but it's not full blown. And so for that reason we do I do I like doing Mark 16, 1 to 8 to show that the joy of Easter is there, but it is not bursting forth at the seams like it will be by Sunday. And so we say read the shorter reading the shorter resurrection account. And as that as, as soon as that is read, you hear it for the first time. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And then uh, the, the bells of the church start ringing. And if you have an old church, this is where you, it's a perk to have those old, that old church bell outside. And they ring it and bong, 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 bong. They don't care how many times they're ringing. There is no melody. They're just ringing for joy. And all of a sudden, Everything starts changing. So if you have a church, if you do this practice, where you started the church, the altar bare, or you start with black pyramids, you strip off the black pyramids. You get, or if it was empty, you anyways you change things out. And if the your crosses are still covered with the cloth from the black cloth from the fifth Sunday of Easter, you pull or the fifth Sunday of Lent, sorry. Um, you pull, you unveil the cro all the crosses become unveiled, and the altar, the pulpit, the lectern, they get adorned with the white pyramids, and all of a sudden everything begins changing over, and then the congregation bursts out for the first time in a long time. They sing the hymn, "Glory be to God on high," the glory and excelsis that has not been heard. Since the since Transfiguration Sunday, all the way back in mid February, they sing, they belted out for the first time, and upon hearing this, then the pastor may do a homily. 
He may do a sermon. And when I say that, a homily, emphasis on the word homily, is because the sermon is going to be very brief. Um, traditionally, a traditional practice is to read a homily of the church fathers. And probably one of the more popular ones is to read the pastoral homily by St. John Chrysostom, who wrote, and this is what it says. It says, If anyone is devout and a lover of God, let them enjoy this beautiful and radiant feast. If anyone is a grateful servant, let them rejoicing enter into the joy of his Lord. If anyone has wearied himself themselves in fasting, let them now receive recompense. If anyone has labored from this first hour, let them today receive the just reward. If anyone has come at the third hour with thanksgiving, let them feast. If anyone has arrived at the sixth hour, let them have no misgivings, for they shall suffer no loss. If anyone has delayed until the ninth hour, let them draw near without hesitation. If anyone has arrived even at the eleventh hour, let them not fear on account of tardiness. For the master is gracious and receives the last even as the first. He gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, just as to him who has labored from the first. He has mercy upon the last and cares for the first. To the one he gives and to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with one another, dance for joy. O you ascetics and negligent, celebrate the day. You that have fasted and you that have regarded the fast, rejoice today. The table is rich laden. Feast royally, all of you. The calf is fatted. Let not, no one go forth hungry. Let all partake of the least feast of faith. Let all, the, all receive the riches of goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for pardon has dawned from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the Savior's death has set us free. He that was taken by death has annihilated it. He descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He embittered it when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was embolished. Death was embittered, for it was mocked. Death was embittered, for it was purged. Death was embittered, for it was despoiled. Death was embittered, for it was bound in chains. It took a body and came upon God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw, but crumbled before what it had not seen. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, Hades, where is thy victory? 
Christ is risen and you are overthrown. Christ is risen and the demons are fallen. Christ is risen and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen and life reigns. Christ is risen and not one dead remains in a tomb. For Christ being raised from the dead has become the first fruits of them that have slept. To him be glory and might unto the ages of ages. Amen. Oh, such a beautiful, powerful words from the man that is St. John of Chrysostom. Chrysostom means golden mouth uh, because he was literally one of the greatest preachers to ever live. Um, then, it's at this time the congregation proceeds into the service of the sacrament. Now at this time they might do a creed, the Nicene, the Apostles, and then the Lord's Prayer, the words of our Lord, so the, the words of institution is normal, and it's actually pretty normal, and I think it's, I kind of prefer, like, I like doing Divine Service 3 in this count, because Divine Service 3 better affords uh, chanting the words of institution, chanting the Lord's Prayer, because it just holds up the um, the reverence of what we are celebrating this day. And the service of the sacrament isn't so appropriate to follow. Because you just heard that sermon, and you heard that text, and you hear the celebration. What do you do when you have a celebration? You break forth a feast. You have a meal. You celebrate with food and alcohol. So we celebrate with bread and wine. But this bread and wine is extravagant bread and wine. It is special, unlike any other, not because of where the bread is made or it's like some super awesome baker, or that the wine is like the best of the greatest grapes you've ever had. No, it's because in that bread is the body of Jesus. In that bread is the one who died on the cross but rose from the grave. In the, that wine is the blood that was shed from the cross and the blood of the one who rose. In that you receive Jesus himself, you receive the forgiveness of sins, the life that was sealed in his death on the cross, which was guaranteed in his resurrection. And the service ends, and so you celebrate the Lord's Supper. And by the way, through the course of this, you'll have heard a lot of scripture. You'll have heard baptism, and by the way, Common practice is to make this a day to do orders of confirmation or first communions. So that, and so you have the Lord's Supper having a major portion, majorly highlighted in the service. Baptism, heavily highlighted. The words of the Bible, heavily highlighted. Why? Because yesterday was Good Friday. Jesus died on the cross for your salvation. How does he give you those gifts? He gives you it in his word. He gives you it in his waters of baptism. He gives you it in 
the Lord's Supper. We are celebrating the means of grace, the means by which our Lord delivers the goods, the righteousness, the forgiveness, the salvation that was obtained in the cross and guaranteed by the empty tomb. And then the congregation ends. Well, it's got there is a special post-communion collect that is only used um, on the Easter vigil. And then the benediction comes. For the first time you hear the benediction. And I say that because remember, this service began with the Monday Thursday service. And now the service is coming to a close with the words of the benediction or the words of a blessing. And you may conclude with the hymn, you may not. Um, the hymn that I usually like to conclude with um, and by the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is really not a lot of hymnody in this service. Um, there's only like two or three spots, like two or three spots for hymns, not including the spot for the, um, not including the communion hymns. And the reason is because it is such a, this service, it's, you're celebrating the resurrection, but there's still, a little bit of restraint on the celebration. And the reason is, is because most churches have yet another Easter service. Um, the hymn that I usually like to go with is Christ Jesus Lay in Death Strong Bands. Um, that is the one that I, I think that's... No, 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 that's, that's not the one. The one I like to do is the Strife is... Or I can't remember which one it is. I'll remember it. I'll remember it a little bit. Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to... Yeah, it is. Christ Jesus lay in dark, death strong bands. That is the one that I like to go with um, for the closing hymn. Because it is, it's got the Alleluia's in there. Because the Alleluia's have been broken out. But it is not as strong as some of the ones that we're going to get um, with the Easter service. So the service comes to close. And by the way, I forgot to mention, so the candles. I was talking about the candles. So in the Good Friday service, the candles slowly get extinguished until it gets dark and gets cold. So going back into the medieval and ancient church, the practice was that you gradually light more and more candles through the sanctuary. And by the end of the service, the church would be actually so hot that you would be sweating from all the candles. I mean, it's a total reversal of Good Friday. And in the Orthodox, they have the practice that they give large candles. And so the intent is that you don't extinguish the candle during the service. You keep that candle, sir, that candle lit all the way until you enter into the door of your home. So it's actually known for um, Orthodox that, you know, they will fast all of Holy Week. They won't eat anything. Um, and so at the end of the Easter Vigil, or the Midnight Pascha, which is the traditional name, at the end of the service, they would go to the um, 
they would be sitting there at like Perkins or Denny's or whatever, and they're, they'll be sitting there eating pancakes while holding a candle in their hand, a lit candle. And they wouldn't, like I said, they don't extinguish it until they get to their, um, get, get home. And so, um, and the, so the course of this service, this Easter vigil, if you actually do the full traditional service, it will go about, it'll last about three hours. Usually gets done at about two or three o'clock. And the reason why they go that long is because, um, the idea is, is that the raw, the service would be coming to an end at about the same time, estimated time that Jesus might have exited the tomb. Because we know Jesus rose some point in the early morning hours before the sun had risen. The physical sun had risen. Okay, so then Sunday morning, tomorrow morning is Easter. And so Easter Sunday, this was actually, a tradition began in the 18th century with the Moravian Church. And the tradition was to celebrate um, a sunrise service in replace, in place of the Easter Vigil. And the reason was, was people didn't want to stay up late anymore. And so they wanted to do something early. And so the Easter Vigil has its own unique tradition where kind of, it takes a little bit of pieces from the Easter Vigil and it's in that it starts with a service of light. But one of the things that makes it unique is it starts in a cemetery. And many churches in early United States did this. It's a tradition that's largely disappeared due to the fact that many congregations don't have a cemetery on site. But for those who do, they would gather in the cemetery. And they would do a version of the burial, the, the burial rite, and they'd sing that. They do that, and then they process into the church, which again would be pretty darkened, similar to the Easter vigil. And the service will very early, very quickly, when the pastor gets, they get to the front, and the pastor will say, "Hallelujah! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah!" And the lights will go up, and or the candles would be lit, and everything would become bright. <clears throat> and the first Easter hymn would begin to come out. But the way Easter Vigil works is it's a progressive joy. Like um, a really good opening hymn is Awake My Heart with Gladness, because they, it's like the joy is about to burst forth. And it's progressively getting more and more joyful. And then you hit the second service, the second Easter service, all right? And that would be what's sometimes called the resurrection celebration or the celebration service or the victory service, whatever. And that service is like from start to finish, joyful hymnody. The opening hymn to the closing hymn is just outpouring triumphant joyful hymns and lots of alleluias because we put pack those away for lent and they break forth ex incredibly loud and they just go out alleluia alleluia and literally up to over a hundred times you may hear the word alleluia during the course of the service 
This is to echo and to reflect the absolute exceeding joy of the Easter celebration. And so this is what to expect you have to expect these next three services. Now, if you don't have an Easter vigil, the Easter the sunrise service serves the end of the Holy Triduum. Um, so your continuation from Good Friday is the sunrise service if um, you do not have an Easter vigil. If you have an Easter vigil, that is the end of the Triduum. And the thing is, is many churches will have Easter breakfast, they have meals. And the reason is, is because the time of fasting is over. The time of celebration is here. And what do we do when we celebrate? We have a feast. And it's also for that reason that Easter, all Easter services should have a communion service. Because it is this is the feast of victory for our God. So I pray that you get to an Easter service wherever you live. If you live in the area where I do, it's I'm in Ida Grove, uh, St. Paul Luther Church, where I'm a pastor. We have services tonight for the Easter Vigil at 6 p.m. We have services tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. for the sunrise service. And then we have another service at 9 a.m., which will be the celebration service. So I encourage you, if you can, to actually attend all three of those services. Um... It's exhausting, it is a lot, but it's worth it. So, with that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with one more recording for this holy week. And then I'm going to probably go back to my more normal recordings where it's kind of sporadic. Um, with the exception of sermon uploads. Um, but tomorrow I'm going to come back and I'm going to do kind of a walkthrough of the resurrection accounts from the Gospels, kind of more of a devotional one like I did on back on Wednesday. So um, I'll, uh, so have a blessed Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. through the fiercest strength.